You are listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. You can always listen to the show live weekdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on WDEV AM and FM and streaming at WDEVradio.com. You can text in your thoughts 24-7 at 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast-paced. The money was just burning a hole in Bill Belichick's pocket. He had to spend it, and as fast as possible. Opinionated. Of all the stopgap quarterbacks, Cam Newton was the best choice for the Patriots. Kudos to them getting it right. To the point. Sox will be better. They're still finishing in fourth. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show on a Wednesday right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Short show today, just live for 30 minutes up until 6 o'clock. Game 2 of the series between the Red Sox and the Braves from Fenway. Sox lost yesterday by a score of 3-1. to one. We'll get to that in about uh, 20 minutes or so. Eh, maybe 25 minutes or so. We don't have a digital show today because tomorrow we have a full 90-minute version of the show live on the air, so I want to save a lot of the meat on the bone for tomorrow's full live conversation. We will have Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio join us at 545 as he does every single Wednesday right here on WDEV. And then I'm looking forward to talking to Freddie because we got a whole lot to get to with him, including what he thinks about Julio Jones to the Patriots and those rumors. So if you want to get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, 802 585 5-3-26. That's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and in Morrisville. Again, 802-585-3026. Just here for half an hour today, so that means the clock is already ticking on us. So let's get right to it. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. It's online at sticksandstuff.com also. The Celtics got blown out by the Nets last night. Final score was 130 to 108. And to me, it really doesn't even matter. There's no point in talking about the game itself. The series is going as exactly as I expected it to. I thought the Celtics would get swept or lose in five. They are perfectly on track to do just that. The only thing today on this Wednesday to talk about is Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving's comments he made yesterday after the game. After the game yesterday, Kyrie Irving was asked about what will it be like to go back to Boston and play in front of the TD Garden fans because Kyrie has not played in front of these fans since going to Brooklyn. Okay, We had the COVID you know, COVID this year and the bubble last year. Kyrie has not played in front of fans while playing for the Brooklyn Nets at TD Garden. Here was Kyrie when asked about his return to Boston. I mean, it's not my first time being an opponent in, in Boston. Uh, so, you know, I'm just looking forward to competing with my teammates. And, um, you know, hopefully we can just keep it strictly basketball. You know, there's no belligerence or any racism going on, subtle racism and people yelling from the crowd. Um, but even if it is, it's, it's part of the nature of the game. And we're just going to focus on what we can control. Is it something you've experienced in Boston before? I'm not the only one that could attest to this. Look, I am against racism in all its forms, okay? And I'm against fans yelling racial comments at players. Obviously, we all should be against that. And I also understand 
Boston has a history. It has a reputation of racism. Bill Russell's talked about it. Former Orioles outfielder Adam Jones has talked about it. And former Major League All-Star Torrey Hunter has talked about it. I get it. Boston has that reputation, and it's very, very difficult to shed that reputation because that reputation has been earned, at least in the eyes of those three men and I'm sure several others. But why? Why, why, why? Now is Kyrie Irving bringing this up. Again, since signing with the Nets, Kyrie has not played in Boston with fans. Okay, No fans because of COVID. He has no experience as a member of the Nets as uh, has no experience as a member of the Nets of experiencing racism in the Garden. There have been zero fans at games he has played in in TD Garden. So what is the point of preemptively predicting it or preemptively warning about it? Kyrie Irving is going to get booed. He is going to get jeered. There will be a 25% capacity crowd there for Game 3, and there will be a near full crowd there in Game 4. Kyrie will get booed. He will be given the business by the people in Boston, but it won't be because he's black. So to warn against that preemptively feels unnecessary and, in my opinion, feels almost detrimental to all the racial conversations that we are having in this country right now. Kyrie Irving is going to get booed and given the business because he was supposed to be the guy that lifted up the franchise. He was supposed to be the guy that was put on a pedestal. Instead, he torpedoed the franchise, and he set the franchise back. He'll get booed because he said he wanted his jersey hanging from the rafters in Boston, and then he decided to leave. He'll get booed because he caused a division in the locker room that could not be fixed, that could not be repaired, and then he left. And then he'll get booed because he signed with an Eastern Conference rival who is now the most hated team in the NBA by pretty much all fans outside of those who just hate the Lakers because they hate LeBron. Kyrie Irving will get booed because everything I just said is true. He left the the Celtics. He went to a rival. He lied about his intentions in Boston, or at least changed his mind about his intentions in Boston. And he he never delivered on what he was supposed to deliver in Boston. Okay? He will get booed for all of that. But to come out and preemptively predict racism or warn against racism feels unnecessary. Kyrie Irving has never, that I have found, spoken about being a victim of racist behavior in Boston. As a result, it's unnecessary comments, and frankly, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. Okay, When Kyrie Irving was traded to the Boston Celtics, and he and Gordon Hayward stood up there and you know, or sat up there and answered questions about coming to Boston, Kyrie Irving never once talked about racist fans, never once talked about bad fans, never once talked about bad history. All he did was praise the organization, praise Hayward, praise the Celtics, and praise the history of the franchise. Never once has Kyrie that I have known about talked about racist behavior in Boston directed at him or directed at anybody else. Okay, We never heard it when he was in Cleveland. So why are you stoking the flames now? This feels like a conversation that does not need to be had right now. And I don't want any racist behavior at any sporting event that I'm ever at. And I don't want racist behavior in society. And you shouldn't want that either. And if, if it happened, I'd understand 
Kyrie reacting to it. I understand him addressing it. But to preemptively address it when you've never talked about it before and never said that it happened to you before, I don't know why you have to bring it now. Look, this was Kyrie Irving a couple of years ago talking on the eve of the, I guess this would probably be the 2018-19 season. You know, I just really thought it was important to make sure it's known that, you know, this this franchise is is really built for the next few years of being at the top tier of teams in the league. And um, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? I mean, you know, what more could you ask for from an organization to really elevate your game? And, um, you know, when you're on the long, when you want to be on the long, those same lines, lame lineage of greatness of guys that have come before you, I mean, you know, there, there are times where I think about having number 11 in the Raptors hopefully one day. And, I mean, that's a dream, you know, so why not? You know, it wasn't so much coming out, but, you know, it's the truth. I feel that way about my teammates. I feel that way about this organization. So looking forward to the challenge this year. When Kyrie says that, that sounds like a guy who, at the time, was pretty happy in Boston. That sounds like, at the time, a guy who was, you know, committed to Boston. He talked about his teammates. He talked about the organization. Nowhere there was any reservations about the fans. Nowhere there was any comments on how the fans need to change. I went through, I looked this morning, I looked for comments from Kyrie pre-Celtics and during his Celtics tenure talking about the fans and talking about racism. I did not find one article. I'm well aware that Boston fans, I'm well aware that fans in general have said racial things to athletes before. And anyone who does that is a dirtbag. And they don't ever deserve to go to a game again. But Kyrie Irving, for him to preemptively talk about that, seems unnecessary. Okay, I applaud Kyrie Irving's diligence and his desire to reach racial reconciliation. I applaud his work in social justice. But bringing up racism preemptively seems like an unnecessary move. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Freddie Coleman is going to be with us in a couple of minutes. I look forward to talking with Freddie about Kyrie's comments and getting his sense of them and seeing what he thinks about them. So again, Freddie Coleman coming up here in a couple of minutes. I was listening earlier today to comments made last night by Kendrick Perkins. And Perk is, you know, he is... um, He's out there. He's on a lot of places, right? ESPN, he's on NBC Sports Boston. He's very, very opinionated, and I like his honesty. Even if I don't always agree with it, I like Perk's honesty. Here was Perk talking about the comments made by Kyrie yesterday. It's always extra with him, man. We, I, I don't even know why we're surprised by this comment, right? Just like I don't even know why we're surprised, but just think about it. And I think that's a good way to describe Kyrie Irving. There's always something extra. Okay, there's always something extra, something that you couldn't plan for, something that is surprising to you. In this case, there didn't need to be that something extra. And that really it's really too bad because Kyrie is a wonderful player. He is still my favorite player to watch play basketball. He is an absolute artist with the ball in his hands. He's an absolute artist. His jump shot is pure. His stroke is perfect. He shoots 90% at the line, 40% from three. You know, you can argue about him or Steph Curry, but either way, he's got one of the top, you know, you know, he's one of the top ball handlers in the NBA. Kyrie Irving, his game is graceful and it is pretty. And his work with social justice is admirable, of course. But that oftentimes, that's something extra 
creates a distraction or an unnecessary conversation. And that's what this feels like to me, an unnecessary conversation. Nothing at this point that we have ever been told has happened to Kyrie Irving in Boston from a racial standpoint. I'm not saying that it hasn't happened, but he's never told us that before. So to bring it up now preemptively, when again, nothing has happened to him that he's told us, and nothing has happened to him as a member of the Nets because he hasn't played at TD Garden with fans. He has not played at the Garden with fans. It feels like an unnecessary time to bring up that conversation. All right. It is a Wednesday here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Every single Wednesday at this time, we bring on our guy, Freddie Coleman, from ESPN Radio. And Freddie and Fitzsimmons airs weeknights at 9 p.m. right here on WDEV. Tonight, we got Red Sox and Braves on the air, so Freddie's show will stream live at WDEVradio.com. Freddie, appreciate you being with us. How are you on this Wednesday? I'm good, my friend. How's everybody doing today in the land of Brady Farkas? Every everything in, in Brady Land is good. And you know, I want to start on a serious note because we should be talking about basketball and the bludgeoning that the Nets gave the Celtics last night, but instead we're talking about Kyrie Irving's comments yet again. And this time it was he said that he didn't want to experience racism in Boston when he goes back there for the first time with fans since becoming a member of the Nets. What do you think of Kyrie? preemptively warning against racism at the Garden? Well, he can preemptively warn warn everybody against it, and I'm not going to say that he's wrong to say that he shouldn't have said those things because obviously he has heard something throughout the years from either that's been directed at him or from other players. So I don't think you can use that broad paint stroke and, br- and brush that across every Boston Celtics fan that's going to be rooting against the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving when he comes back there for Game 3 and Game 4. So whatever filtered into his mind, he felt the need to put that out there. But here's the deal. The Celtics fans, if they were going to let him have it before, they're really going to let him have it now based on saying that. And Kyrie Irving is a lot of things, but he's also very calculating. I wonder how much of that was that he knows he's going to be in the villain role when he goes back to Boston for the first time in terms of having fans in the building as an opponent of Boston Celtics got the plane for the Celtics before leaving for the Brooklyn Nets. I wonder how much of that is calculated for Kyrie Irving to keep his focus and make sure that the fans don't get under his skin and he can go out there and just play basketball. This wasn't something that he just thought of at the spur of the moment. I firmly believe there was something very calculated that he put out there after the way the Brooklyn Nets handled the Boston Celtics in Game 2. You know, Freddie, Kyrie's work with social justice and racial awareness and racial reckoning is certainly admirable and necessary. But when he makes a comment like this, preemptively, does that harm any of the productive conversations that he's been a part of to this point? No, it doesn't, because if you're a Kyrie Irving supporter, it doesn't matter what he says, you're going to support him. And if you're not a fan of Kyrie Irving, it doesn't matter what he does. It's going to be a yeah, but from that standpoint. So it depends on what side of the fence you are on when it comes to Kyrie Irving, because in plenty of people's eyes, he can do no right and can do no wrong, but he's always doing something that is going to get somebody's attention. And he loves being that kind of person, Brady. He enjoys being a contrarian to everything. And I don't know how much of that is something that he was born with or something he grew up with, but it's who he is now. It's who he's been for more than a long, long time. When many people said, why would you want to leave LeBron James the Cleveland Cavaliers? And he, his answer was, well, why can't I go somewhere else and have my own basketball team? Who said that I got it totally good here despite what we've been able to do and what people believe? So anytime the grain is there, he does not mind going against the grain, whether it's what he does or what he says. 
in Kyrie Irving's world, there's no such thing as bad Kyrie. It's going to be Kyrie being Kyrie and how you deal with it. That's more of a you problem, and Kyrie's going to make sure it's not going to be a Kyrie problem. You know, I don't go back to Bucky Dent, and Aaron Boone is now almost 20 years ago. Is Kyrie the most hated athlete in New England now? No, I don't think so, because I still think it's a guy called Derek Jeter, the New York Yankees, or Alex Rodriguez when he played for the New York Yankees, because you can hate on Kyrie Irving because he used to play for your basketball team and really hate on him now. But uh, usually something like that, when it comes to somebody like that, as great as he has been on the court and at times off the court, that's going to dissipate when it comes to that standpoint. But a guy like Derek Jeter playing for the New York Yankees or even Alex Rodriguez, those two guys, in my opinion, are going to be more, let's say, in another couple of years, Vanessa Atlanta, the Boston Celtics, and Kyrie Irving is leading that charge, then all of a sudden it becomes that situation. You can really say this, Brady. LeBron James is probably more hated among Boston fans than Kyrie Irving will ever be because LeBron James is always going to be that polarizing figure, even more so than Kyrie Irving. That's not to say that Kyrie Irving is not hated. I don't know if I put him on that level with LeBron James, Derek Jeter, and also Alex Rodriguez. I don't know, Freddie. That That's Red Sox owner LeBron James now. Yeah, but it's also Celtics <laughs> fans don't care about that. Red Sox fans don't care about that. Oh, LeBron James, part of our basketball baseball team, so be it. He never played major league baseball, and he didn't play for the New York Yankees. But Celtics fans, I believe that's a whole different deal with a guy like that. Hey, you know, Freddie, I was listening to Jackie McMullen uh, maybe even this morning on ESPN. If not this morning, it was definitely last night. Um, and she says she thinks that this Celtics team is missing – veterans with an edge like they had with Isaiah Thomas or when they had Marcus Morris and that may be true but doesn't that failure then kind of fall on Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker they are veteran leaders why can't they present what those guys brought because those veteran leaders aren't the best players in the basketball team because Jackie McMullen talked about that when Isaiah Thomas was an edge kind of guy he was the best player on the Boston Celtics you need your best players to have an edge and right now there's no doubt about it the two best players in this basketball team are Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, even though he's out for the rest of the season. You always need an edge guy, but if you're going to have another edge guy, he has to be your best player in your team. You look throughout history of any championship team, the best players were edge guys. With the Boston Celtics, Larry Bird, an edge guy. Kevin McHale, an edge guy. They were the two best players in their basketball team. When Boston had their re- renaissance, their best player was an edge guy. Kevin Garnett and Rajon Rondo and Kendrick Perkins, the guys like that were not far behind. So you can have an edge player or an edge kind of player that you need as a part of your basketball team. Players in your team. And that's no disrespect to Marcus Smart, a nice player, but he's nowhere near the town of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, even Kimball Walker. If your best player is not an edge guy, then you're going to get what we've been able to see from the Boston Celtics. Look at the Brooklyn Nets. Their best player, Kevin Durant, is an edge guy. Kyrie Irving, their second best player, in my opinion, is an edge guy. If you're going to compete for a championship, your best players be the kind of guys that won't take nothing from anybody. And if that's going to continue to be the case in Boston, then we're going to have the same conversation year after year if Jalen Brown and Jason Taylor do not develop into best player edge guys for the Boston Celtics. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio host. You can check him out tonight, 9 p.m. Freddie and Fitzsimmons right here on WDEVradio.com. On the air tonight is Red Sox and Braves. I want to move over to football. What do you think of the idea of the Patriots acquiring Julio Jones? Oh, they should be all in on Julio Jones because, I, I, honestly, if I'm the Tennessee Titans, I'm not letting the Patriots get to Julio Jones before I can get to them because he really can help that football team as well as helping the New England Patriots. 
but the Patriots should definitely be all in on a guy that still has a lot left and automatically is going to be your number one target for the New England Patriots. If you believe that Cam Newton is your quarterback, if you believe that we needed to sub- surround him with more weapons to provide him with more weapons, Brady, then what better weapon is out there right now, not named Aaron Rodgers, when it comes to Julio Jones, who clearly has made it known he does not want to be a part of the Atlanta Falcons rebuild with, with their new coach, Arthur Smith, taking over that football team. So there's no doubt that the Patriots are doing more than just kicking the tires. They're checking the air conditioning. They're checking the leather seats. They're checking to see if there's enough room in the back for the kids and car seats. They're doing everything possible to find out exactly what it's going to take. And I know the Falcons said they wanted a first-round pick. They're not getting a first-round pick for Julio Jones. But if you're the Patriots and you can part with a third and a fourth-round pick for Julio Jones, that is more than worth the freight for a guy that still has more than enough juice left in his tank to be an effective and help out your offense and help out your quarterback. You know, I think the Patriots are built to play bully ball. Right now they are built to run the football and utilize those new tight ends that they've got. If you acquire Julio Jones, do you change the entire offense to become more vertical, or is Julio having to be okay with playing as part of a run-first team? Well, remember, the Atlanta Falcons were a bully ball zone-reading run-the-football team, and then they could get one-on coverage with Julio Jones. You can plug and play him anywhere. It's going to work no matter what your offensive philosophy is. Just imagine San Francisco 49ers get that guy. They're a bully ball team. They run the football, play action, and Julio Jones can still beat one-on-one coverage. He won't have to worry as much about double coverage if he goes to the 49ers or Tennessee or to the New England Patriots. So you can still be a bully ball football team. You can still have two tight ends and a one-back offense, but now you create more space because now if you're so worried about the running game, you get him on one-on-one coverage and scheme him open. More often than not, he's going to beat one-on-one coverage. So you don't need to change anything if you acquire Julio Jones. If anything, he adds to your bully ball philosophy that you're going to be in New England. He's not going to take away from what you're trying to do with the quarterback you have in Cam Newton and the pieces you're able to get in the offseason to try to make this work. Okay, so that you've made the case why the Patriots should want Jones. Should Jones want the Patriots? Oh, absolutely, because you can't put it out there and say, I don't want to be in Atlanta because I want to win. Well, if you want to win, then you can't go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're not going to win, and by the time they do, you're going to be out the National Football League. And the Patriots right now, they're a lot closer to the Buffalo Bills than they were last year. A guy like Julio Jones put them past the AFC East and brings them maybe a little bit closer to the Baltimore Ravens of the world, the Kansas City Chiefs of the world. That's how much value I believe that Julio Jones will have for a football team because he's not going to be as injured as he was last year. He won't have all that pressure that's going to be on him that he dealt with all the years to the Atlanta Falcons. Now you have a chance to put him with a Cam Newton, with that offense, with Josh McDowell an offensive coordinator, and Bill Belichick as a head coach. He's only going to add, not subtract from your football team. So there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that if he wants to win, you can't just say, I'll go over there to a team that finished 1-15 and or 6-10 and last year. No, if you want to win, you go to a team that had a blip last year when it comes to a losing season. That I believe they're back on track. You're the big hockey guy. Should the Bruins yeah. want the Islanders or the Penguins in round two? Oh, you should want the Penguins because the Islanders, they will bite, they will scratch, they will kick, they will claw, they will not back down. And the Bruins are that kind of team as well. And I love the way they just always turn your mistakes into goals. They're so good at that, especially in the playoffs. But a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're not the kind of team that will scratch and claw and get at you. The Islanders do not back down. Even if you try to put them in a coffin, they're trying to break out of the coffin and raise back from the Mm -hmm. dead. So if you're the Boston Bruins, it's a much better matchup for you to get the Pittsburgh Penguins in round two and not the New York Islanders because you may beat the Islanders in a series, 
but they could take years off your life, and you wonder if you're going to have anything left if you try to if you're able to advance in the playoffs. The Pittsburgh Penguins a much easier opponent for the Boston Bruins than the New York Islanders. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, one of the best. We talk with him every single Wednesday at this time. His show tonight, 9 p.m., right here on WDEVradio.com. Uh, the Red Sox are off tomorrow, so Freddie's show back live on the air tomorrow at 9. Freddie, as always, we appreciate you. My pleasure, Brady. Take care and be well in Bradyland. Hi, this is Evan Hallstrom. I race super late models with the Pro All-Star Series. You can follow me throughout the summer racing up and down the East Coast. I've always loved auto racing. Not only do I drive the car, but I build it with my dad. We're a small family-run team that has a lot of fun. I'm proud of the work that I do with the Governor's Highway Safety Program and the Vermont Highway Safety Alliance. Remember, click it or ticket. Follow me on my Facebook page at Evan Hallstrom Racing and Twitter at EvanHMS1 or my website at EvanHallstromRacing.com. Everything will be well in Bradyland. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, always appreciate his time and always appreciate his perspective. Good stuff there. You know, I'm going to have to think about this, but when Freddie says a third and a fourth for Julio Jones, now like you're getting my wheels turning here. Okay, I've said all along I don't think that Julio Jones is a great fit for the Patriots because of the way they play stylistically on offense. But if you're telling me a third and a fourth, now you're coaxing me into things. Now I am willing to say, look, I'll run the ball a lot. And if you're going to stack the box, then I got one-on-one coverage for you. That's something I'm willing to listen to. And I got another, you know, 23 hours to to think about this going into tomorrow's show because now you're starting to talk my language. When it was a first-round pick at $15 million a year, I'm not interested. I told you yesterday when it was a second and a fifth, I said that on the digital version, that's where I'd start to get interested, and I don't think Atlanta would take it. So it almost felt like an insulting offer. But when Freddie says, hey, a third or a third and a fourth, like if that's realistic, that's where my mind starts to change. And we'll talk about that tomorrow here on the Brady Farkas Show. We are coming up on Red Sox Baseball. Again, we step aside at 6 o'clock, 6.10 with the official pregame show for the Sox, 7.10 for the first pitch. And the Red Sox game yesterday was so frustrating. It was so frustrating to see the Red Sox now continuing to struggle offensively in big spots. Okay, The Red Sox were up one nothing in the first inning. They had the bases loaded yesterday and nobody out against Charlie Morton in the bottom of the first. They had a chance to put that game out of reach early. And they could not do it. Bases loaded, nobody out, turned into one run, and that was it. Think about what that would have done. Now, obviously, if you put up a three spot or a four spot, you could simply just maybe win the game, right? Like that's three, four runs in the first, tack on a couple later, and you win the game six to two. If you score early, you absolutely just have a better chance at winning the game, first and foremost. But secondly, you could have knocked Charlie Morton out of the game early and gotten into that bullpen in the first inning, in the third inning, you could have eaten away at the bullpen heading into game two. But instead, they not only let Morton off the hook in the first inning, they then let him off the hook for the game. He pitched seven innings yesterday and only gave up that one run. So instead of you know, setting yourself up to win the game, instead of knocking the starter out early, instead of eating away at the bullpen, you allowed him to you know, weasel away from inning one and then dominate you moving forward to the point where now this Braves bullpen is almost completely rested heading into today, and you're the team that had to work your bullpen a little bit more. Now, Barnes didn't pitch yesterday, and that's good, and 
Adovino didn't pitch yesterday, but so you still got some of your big guns left, but your bullpen is the one that now is more taxed than their bullpen, and that's the problem. It's unacceptable. Okay, I told you on Monday's show that Erod on Sunday, you know, walking and hitting guys in the first inning, that's unacceptable. What also is unacceptable in baseball from the offensive perspective is letting the pitcher off the hook the way the Red Sox did last night and the way the Red Sox have been doing now for a while. Listen to this. Listen to this stat. Entering uh, Monday of this week, so it's now a couple of days old, but entering Monday of this week, the Red Sox were hitting 246 with a runner on third and less than two outs. Okay, runner on third, less than two outs. Red Sox hitting 246. That was 25th in the league. For as good as the Red Sox are offensively, or as good as we think they are offensively, in clutch situations like that, they haven't done their job. 246, 25th in the league, runner in third, less than two outs. The league average in that situation, 305. And the Red Sox are hitting 246, more than 50 points below what they should be hitting. You want you want another stat that's that's even more damning? Since May 7th, now 19 days ago, since May 7th, in that same situation, runner at third, less than two outs, the Boston Red Sox are two for 27. I repeat, since May 7th, runner at third, less than two outs, the Boston Red Sox are two for 27. That is an 074 average. Okay, 074. That is a huge problem. The Red Sox hit great with nobody on base. They hit great with nobody on base. But runner at third, less than two outs, some of these clutch situations, they are failing. They've really been failing over the last three plus, you know, almost three weeks. And they've been underachieving through the season in its totality. You're going to see the Astros. You're going to see the Yankees. You're going to see better teams and better pitching. You're not going to see the Orioles. You're going to have to be able to hit in those kind of situations. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right, that will do it for me today. So uh, thanks to Freddie Coleman from ESPN Radio for dropping by. As always, if you miss any of the show, you can always check in on the full show podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and also streaming at WDEVradio.com. We'll be back at it tomorrow for a full 90 minutes. Adam Kaufman from WBZ News Radio in Boston will stop by with us at 545, and uh, we'll get his take on the Kyrie Irving comments as well. Red Sox baseball is coming up next right here on WDEV. Let's go Sox. This is WDEV, Vermont's news station, owned and operated by the Radio Vermont Group. From the top of Sugarbush 96.1 FM WDEV Warren and Waitsfield, 96.5 W243 Barry, 98.3 W252 CU Montpelier, along with our founding station AM550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier, streaming at WDEVradio.com. 89 years of serving Vermont, the friendly pioneer, WDEV.